Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Mushrooms, man. It's the new wave. And I'm not talking about the other kind. I'm talking about adaptogen mushrooms from plant people, the Wonder Day ones. You know what? They advertise on this podcast. They're back in stock. Highly recommend on the fact uh, it's so good. Like, it's one of the things I look forward to. I look forward to popping my two. I, you know, I try not to eat until lunch. So like 3 p.m. I, you know, break that seal. 2 p.m. I break that seal. And then the second I finish my lunch, I pop my little two gummies that taste like Swedish fish, wild raspberries. Hell yeah. Look, adaptogens and functional mushrooms, they're everywhere. I don't fully understand them, but I'm not about to miss out on something that's very easy to do that can truly improve my health. So look. It's got the the flavor is awesome. So I don't I've been more motivated to working out lately, and I don't know if that's uh where I am at in life or this new introduction of healthy habits like taking Wonder Day uh mushroom gummies. Uh plant people, they're made from 10 research back mushrooms. I'm just gonna rattle off the mushrooms. I'll be talking about different ones on each one of these ads. We got lion's mane, shaga, reishi, cordyceps, maitake, turkey tail. We got all kinds of mushrooms in there. Very good. And it, just pop in two little gummies. It's very easy. They're 100% vegan, you, uh, made from USA, cultivated functional mushrooms from family farms. All of Plant People's products are third-party lab tested for purity, DNA, active compounds, heavy metals, blah, 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 blah. You love them. They, do not, they don't put no junk in there. So go to try.plantpeople.co slash mighty to get 15% off your first order with code mighty. That's T-R-Y dot P-L-A-N-T-P-E-O-P-L-E dot C-O slash M-I-G-H-T-Y. Love feeling wonderful or your money back. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. This intro takes different energy with today's guest, but it's me, your boy, the number one fuckboy, the number one fuckboy. All you gotta do is trust me, Jackson Maine. Oh, it's Johnny G, standing six foot two, 288 pounds from the south shore of Nassau County, Long Island. He's... 
It's Johnny G. Joining me as always in the High and Mighty Studios, my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris. Arthur Gabris, of course, is a senior Boston Terrier, not an actual person, so don't feel bad if you don't hear them at all in this episode. But also joining me in the High and Mighty Studios, first-time guest, been following this guy on social media for a while because it's hyper-specific and important to me, the candidate from L.A. City Council District 5, we got Scott Epstein. All right. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. That's probably your first and potentially last announcement in the style of a wrestler uh, that you would get, <laughs> unless that's what happens at every uh, city uh, council district meeting that I don't realize. It's like slightly different than uh, the candidate forums that we've been at, yeah. for sure. <laughs> that's Nithya Raman's music, you know, and like she comes charging out with a folding chair. <laughs> Uh, Scott, thank you so much for doing High and Mighty. Uh, this oh, is, yeah. uh, uh, I think, our our first pol- uh, politician on the episode. I, forgive me for labeling you as that. Like, uh, instant ire. Uh, no, no. I, look, that's what I am. I, I actually like want to kind of like, um, you know, recapture that as a good thing, being a politician. Yeah. You know, well, I, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> like, wouldn't it? <laughs> right. Like, what happened to like the job like lawyer and politician like when you were a kid it was like this guy is an upstanding individual this person yeah. is an upstanding individual they should be a lawyer or a politician now it's like you're a snake in the grass pal you should be a lawyer or a politician <laughs> feels like the vibe towards those two professions has changed yeah totally i mean i think i think like americans are pretty cynical for a lot of good reasons about politics and i think a lot of it like started in that whole nixon era yeah. And we've had a lot of crap <laughs> since then. So yeah, I, we I guess only learn more. that. We only hear more uh, due to advances in information technology. We only keep finding out more. And the yeah. l- brighter we shine the light, the, the more we're like, oh, okay. Not, uh, <laughs> it's getting a little mafia-esque up here, fe- folks. Let's, uh, yeah. let's slow it down. Uh, I want to talk. explain to my listeners how you're, uh, I've started following you on social media because uh, I saw that you were uh, a CD5 uh, candidate, which is my uh, council district. And I, the thing that appealed to me was you were hosting these walking tours, urban hikes, or I forget what you were referring to them as. And I was yeah. like, oh, this. Oh, so I don't know this at the time. You're doing these walks. I'm like, oh, I love, I'm very pro-pedestrian, anti-car. I'm like, oh, sick. I'll follow this guy. And then I see you're like doing like laps around my neighborhood. And I'm like, Hey, am I CD5? And I looked it up and I was, and I was like, this is fucking great news. Not only do I find out that uh, I, uh, this guy is a great, he's, uh, his views line up with my views. He's also running in an election that I will, can participate in, and I'm a large portion of. This is so thrilling. So I, it's rare that it works out like that, where it's like, oh, the team I want to root for is also my home team. So it feels... Feels good, Scott. Feels, so that's what made me re, re, uh, retweet your thing and then get in touch with you and your social media people. Because I was yeah. like, this, the way you described what Santa Monica Boulevard could be instead of a fucking uh, landing strip for uh, Maseratis and white SUVs, it'd be beautiful if yeah. it had, we could have trees on it. There's there's islands. We could have trees. We could have uh, you know, electric a bus playground, pass. A playground. You know, <laughs> yeah. like maybe buses, bikes, you know, all uh, those nice things that you get in cities. Let's let's t- let's talk a little bit about what got you into politics. What were you doing before or as yeah. like has this always been your thing? Let me know. Well, I so I um I've always been interested in politics, like since I was young. But um, my first career was as an actor. Um <laughs> 
So I'm a rec- I call myself a recovered actor. Oh, good. <laughs> well, that, it's a it's a hard recovery to make. It's a long road, but I'm proud of you. <laughs> um, yeah. So and then I um, like after a few, I was a musical theater actor. I did that a few for a few years in New York, and then I decided I wanted to go to um, policy school. Um, I had studied some public policy in college, and so I went back to Georgetown to get my master's in public policy. Um, and uh, and then I moved to to, to Los Angeles uh, with my wife, who wanted to get go to film school um, at USC, and um, and I kind of sort of started to get interested in like what was going on in LA. Sort of LA was sort of coming into its own as this world city, um, and I kind of wanted to be involved a little bit. So my entree was uh, by running for the neighborhood council in my area, um, which was called Mid City West. Uh, so I lived in the Fairfax district until recently. Um, and uh, I was lucky to run unopposed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good foray into the business where you're like, yeah. Uh, yeah. you're actually the only person who showed up for the audition today. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, so I started getting involved in it and that kind of like snowballed for me. Like I, I, the first thing that I did was I became the transportation committee chair on my neighborhood council. And then within a year and a half, I was the chair of the council and just got really involved in advocacy around mobility, around housing, around homelessness, and it all sort of snowballed for me and really fell in love with the work. So that was, that's how I got here. That's that the three things you mentioned there are three things that I feel like Los Angeles is, uh, suffering is maybe hyperbole, but those are three issues that we, uh, we really need to address. Like, that are sort of multi-pronged in what issues they do address. If we, if we're, you know, addressing the issue of mobility actually addresses like, uh, you know, uh, transportation equality, uh, um, fossil fuels, like a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff gets wrapped up into these, what seem like minor, arguably, if I could, you know, use the lexicon of opponents, like hippy dippy bullshit of like bike lanes and stuff. Right. But, to me, it's mind blowing as someone who moved here from uh, New York yeah. uh, ten years ago. It's mind blowing that Southern California, Los Angeles, this major city in like a beautiful uh, weather, a beautiful climate, is yeah. not bike friendly. You could yeah. ride your bike like ele- you, you eleven months out of the year. You would actually take the hottest months off here. Whereas yeah. in New York City, <laughs> you'd right. be like, right. "Fuck, November's coming. I can't ride my bike again till May." And yeah. it's like if we had. Like I've been to cold cities where everyone bikes and it's fine. And we live in quote unquote paradise here in Southern California. Oh yeah. And when I drive down Melrose and uh, that's also near me, I realize it's four lanes part street parking on both sides. So arguably six lanes and it's dead stop traffic It's six lanes and it's all retail. And it's like, this if and, this was bikes or or foot friendly or bus friendly hop on hop off friendly we we would that would be like yeah like <laughs> the like the coolest place in LA right yeah. I, did you know, did you know that there was a plan to do a totally amazing transformation of Melrose Avenue I did not it was called Uplift Melrose I was one of the champions of it it was going to include the first uh bike path on a street like at the sidewalk level like really innovative infrastructure like the kind of stuff you see in europe um cool you know fewer lanes wider sidewalks street trees places for dining like the works like it would have been 
it would have put, I mean, obviously Melrose is already an exciting place. It's been, you know, a destination for a long time, but it was, it, we, we were gearing up to apply for 40, $50 million from the state for this. And our current council member nixed it after taking a drive down Melrose. <laughs> well, no, sh- <laughs> taking a drive down Melrose should make you want to, well, I, <laughs> Don't get me started on what I think the subtle racism racism of driving down Melrose does for wealthy people in other areas of like, what's going on here? Because everyone is young and brown on uh, that is is coming out and seeing Melrose. And I know that 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 is going to make it slower moving for people to fucking take care of us here. Uh, The thing that got me amped about uh, L.A. politics was feeling absolutely neutered in politics on the federal level or or even you know state level yeah. where it just feels like no matter what you do or say like you just can't you have no real sway and then when you when you shrink it down and see something small where it's like uh we have a ch- we have a chance even like you know d level celebrities or like other people like Oh, we could elicit change on uh, in a smaller scale. Now, whether that yeah. moves the needle globally or whatever, but if you put all progressive candidates in that you can at a certain level, maybe you get progress. Like, who knows? <laughs> yeah, no, like 100%. That's why I fell in love with it, because, like, you could actually see the results, right? Yeah. So, like, I was doing this neighborhood council chair thing, like, not making a dime from it elected official on a volunteer basis. And we were able to, just because I cared about the issues, like one of the things I got done was I, I uh, created this plan for like these neighborhood greenways, these bike streets um, through, through the Fairfax district ended up getting $2.3 million from, uh, from Metro. Um, You know, so like you can really start to see those results. Like I led homeless counts and, you know, it's very, you know, like it's, and and I think as a voter, it's also the level where you can have the most impact. Right? Yeah. Well, uh, a fr- friend of mine, friend of the podcast, Hayes Davenport, used to host LA podcast. Works for uh, Nithya or worked yeah. for Nithya. He w- post uh, Trump winning. I said, I'm like, well, what can we even fucking do? He's like. I know you feel weak and powerless. He's like, shrink it down to what you can do in your own neighborhood. And all of a sudden you feel like you can see change and shrinking it down like that. And thinking about on the smaller level, it's like, of course, like Biden versus Trump's not going to affect the idea of a bike path on Santa Monica or safe biking streets or someone actually respecting the slow street uh, pylons. Like, like that doesn't matter if d- depending on like the election is stolen or whatever the fuck the big federal argument is going to be. Yeah. It f- so when you feel futile, like a cog in a machine there, you can shrink it down and at least be a bigger cog in a smaller machine and yeah. make things better for yourself and your neighbors and uh, the people who live in your area. And then if everyone's doing that, maybe that radiates outward. Like it feels it. It, it feels to feel like you have agency in this world politically is like, is a rare feeling. So mm-hmm. if, if, and if you're, and if you're feeling like I was too, like you felt like powerless to all the shit that was going on, shrink yeah. it down to what you could do for your neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like totally the fucking swing sets or whatever, like whatever you do is going to, uh, you know, change begets change. And uh, pr- uh, momentum is a real thing. Like small things start yeah. happening and people start liking it. That's a, that that's like a sweeping. And I feel like, 
we're LA, we're Los Angeles. Everyone just keeps calling us like this liberal bubble bastion. And it's like, I live inside of it. It doesn't feel like we get all the cool liberal shit that you hear about the socialist city. It's like, no motherfucker, we can't even no. ride our bikes here without being risking your goddamn life. Cause people drive, yeah. people drive like lunatics here. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> totally. I mean like LA, you know, every uh, nearly everybody in LA is like for universal healthcare. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to like, whether you're going to be safe on your bike, like whether we're going to be compassionate with our own house neighbors, whether we're actually going to build the housing we need in the city or just keep on saying no, 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 we're not so progressive of the city. No, no. It starts to reek of like, Oh, we're just, the biggest state in this country that this country believes a certain way. And you start to feel like, fuck, I thought we were special here. I thought, how come the bubble is never positive for us? Like, it's always like they're in their bubble. It's like, well, what if inside our bubble, we made it really nice. (laughs) And then we are just like invite more people into the bubble. It's fine. Uh, Cause if it feels like that, cause that's what's a bummer sometimes with Los Angeles is you feel like, Oh, this makes total sense. A progressive candidate and wants to do blah, 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 blah. It's like, actually though, developers are sort of uh, in the driver's seat here in Los Angeles. And you're like, fuck, that's what it's like everywhere. And it's like, yeah, LA, we are a major city. And if anyone sees a buck to be made, they're going to come swoop in here and get involved in it. Yeah. it's disheartening in a way. And then people uh, like you and I uh, keep name dropping Nithya and you guys are like, we're actually deep rivals. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we're not. No, I couldn't imagine how you would be based on both of your uh, uh, outward policy and what you guys support. I couldn't imagine you guys. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> it, you feel you see that and you're like, yes. OK, cool. It's like, give me more Scott Epstein's. Give me uh, we, let's keep these people coming. And the only way to do that is to support support use when you come across the blotter when we see you coming out it's like shit let's see what what can we do to help this well i really appreciate it and and um you know i mean i think the good news is that politics in la is changing like we saw that with nithya's election right i mean that's like the big data point yeah um like we were hoping okay the city voters said you know what we don't want to have these odd year elections anymore we want to have even year elections so we'll have higher voter turnout well, okay, Nithya's cycle was the first time we tested that out. And it happened in a huge way. Like, turnout from 15% to, like, 60%. Yeah. She won, she won more votes than anybody has ever won in Los Angeles. And so that's, like, an explosion in L.A. politics. The game is completely different. It means that guys like me can actually compete for the first time. So it's really exciting. I think, I think there's going to be more surprises. I, I, I tend to think the same way too. I, cause I think a, a lot of people like me who are, uh, in my age group, you know, like older millennials, younger Gen X, whatever you want to call us, like yeah. th- th- mid thirties through mid fifties, people who are finally have some money finally, uh, you know, feel at home in Los Angeles after moving here. I mean, I'm sure tons of people are natives, but my collection of friends are all people who are like, okay, well now we have to make this place better. All right. We came here for 10 years. We fucking ripped. We loved illegal. We loved legal weed. We love the beach. (laughs) We love the hiking Griffith. It's like, okay, now we need to get people houses. Now we need like, okay, I'm part of the city now. Let's, let's help. And I think Nithya starts saying things that people want to hear. And not in like a charlatan way in a, like, Oh, actually, that is important to me. That is not something I thought was important, but that is important to me. And then she also reps 
a district chock full of, uh, at least for, on a personal level, where a lot of my friends live, the uh, comedy right. community and the uh, like a lot of my friends live over there. And then saw that come alive where they were like, well, we're we lean this way and this woman lines up with us. Let's fucking get it popping. And yeah. I'm just let's do that in every every neighborhood. It's like for, forget like aim, aim for us, aim for our uh, like aim for the votes for us because she turned people turned up people yeah. turned up <laughs> yeah they showed up they showed up it turns out there was a lot of people that are like fed up with the stasis on these issues and want like actual change you it know is, think the city can actually be great it is one and, of those and things I think, you said I think it. That, yeah sorry no, you go no. my bad this the I, was saying, I think <laughs> now this is like developing me to mention we're both we, i learned we're both uh long from long island which makes sense yes. that we both tried to like quintuple start a conversation at the same time and, <laughs> totally. and both going no you go oh, okay i'll go again <laughs> so, <Love it. laughs> sorry about that uh uh people people are like it, there's no change and you feel like well let's at least try putting a bunch of unhoused our unhoused neighbors into a hotel that's not open and f let's see if the state wants to buy a hotel or the city wants to buy a hotel and yeah. and people are like i don't know if that's going to work it's like well we what we're doing now isn't working let's just yes. try fucking some shit please yeah that's that's yeah. where i get frustrated because it's like on just a basic problem solving level it's like i get it we need to figure out how to solve this problem but what we're doing right now isn't working let's that's listen right. to someone who's taking a bigger swing who's got like a outside the box idea that's what that's what we want that's what we need and yeah. seeing it come from candidates is exciting yeah i couldn't agree more like i actually make that argument all the time you know it's like what is the alternative the alternative is what we're seeing right now like yeah, it's not getting walks. better. It's not getting yeah. better on our current pol and I guess I'm saying it's not getting better in reference to sort of general, but like if we're talking specifically about the issue of how many of our neighbors do are unhoused or yeah. uh, uh are not getting enough of what they need for survival, like yeah. that should be a paramount issue like it should be yeah. the biggest thing we're concerned about is like hey other human beings don't have a place to live that should be something like if you told a, an eight-year-old about that that would break yeah. their heart and we're grown-ups that should be a huge issue and it the solves are not gonna be fucking cute it's like it's not gonna be like well luckily we built this city for you know like no we, it's gonna be inviting people into your neighborhood into your backyard uh yeah. it's going to be like it's going to require some not just uh little front yard placards it's going to require more steps than that uh, unfortunately yeah. it's going to require more than uh your annual act blue donation that helps uh defray your taxes like we're more shit needs to happen and when more yeah. people who, who are getting into power are talking about these issues that's a sign like keep shining lights on what we're talking about it just it feels so crazy that the amount of my friends like and i'm bra like i'm bragging like i have all these friends but social media people like the amount of people i know yeah. who work actively with the unhoused population here is great like a lot of going back to what i said earlier about being frustrated with politics some of my friends went even and i've done this too gone yeah. even further past local politics and just been straight up mutual aid like straight yeah. up help your neighbors stock the fridge totally. uh, yeah and just doing stuff like that and it's like 
if we can't get politicians to do their job and now we're just like, okay, well, we'll help everybody. Like that starts to get like that. That feels like it's incorrect. But if it's the only way it's going to happen, it's going to fucking happen. And people like, uh, we need LA leaders to like, uh, harness that energy and harness that momentum and, and move forward with some real potential change. Totally. And that kind of is what gives me hope. Like there's, like even over the 15 years I've been here, I feel like that that civic center, that volunteer like power is just like just increased so many folds um, in those 50 years. So much more awareness, so much more engagement, so much more involvement. So it just tells me that, you know, people want this. People want it enough to actually get involved in their communities. And now, like, let's light a fire on that, like, mood movement that's out there. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. I. This is embarrassing to cop to, but I I didn't even vote until like oh eight. <laughs> you know, I didn't like and I didn't even care about because it, it didn't feel and now I'm like plugged into oh shit, the Gascon is in. That's good news. You know, like I'm like yeah. I never I didn't even know what a DA did my entire life. And now I'm like <laughs> and it's one of those things where it's like it's a double edged sword. Like I'm happy to be more plugged in and know what's going on, but it is yeah. hurting me also to know more about what's going on behind the scenes. It's like, right. Cause it's like frustrating. You want that change to happen faster, right? Yeah. And we just know like everything in Hollywood, nothing is fast. <laughs> like, no, especially not politics. Cause you can't throw a bunch of PAs doing double time at it and get it done yet. We'll figure out a way to, uh, you, uh, get the PAs working on our behalf. <laughs> uh, but I, I mentioned it briefly. You're originally from Long Island. I'm hearing. Yeah, you moved here from. Yeah. Long- so, uh, yeah. where where did you grow up on on the island? I grew up in Great Great Neck. I grew up in Great Neck. Yeah, born and raised. GNN um, or GNS, or did you go to uh, private uh, I, high school? I, I was GNN. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, we played. Uh, we played Great Neck in football. I think it was GNS, though. Uh, I'm sure you beat Great Neck in football. I think we did. <laughs> I think we did. Yes. <laughs> it was uh, that. Yeah, that would be 1999 or whatever. I'm class of 2000, Mepham High School, uh, okay. in the Belmore Merrick District. Uh, my yeah. my family's all still in uh, Belmore. All uh, nurses and teachers on Long Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. And uh, if do you want to talk about a place with insane politics, we could talk about <laughs> an island that's 30 minutes from New York yeah. City and 30 years behind it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and, and like it's it's there's a lot of provincialism uh, on yes. Long Island and, and so much variety like within it. Right. You know, Great Neck is very progressive because it's so Jewish, um, although, although that's changing a bit now um and other places not my my wife is uh jewish as well uh, um but she grew up in a in a not jewish area she grew up in floral park um which is like uh irish italian catholic mostly um and very very republican so um (laughs) you know she she felt very isolated uh, uh politically growing up yeah, I guess I didn't feel isolated politically on Long Island until I started going back there in the in 2012 and 2016 and started to realize what the fuck was going on there. Like, uh, I, I, I always refer to provincialism is a great way to explain it. I, I try to explain to people like why Long Island has its politics. And I think it like it all unpacks. It all extrapolates out from being a cop being like you're the best job you can have. Like mm-hmm. I, I, at least my generation, all I, 
all I heard about was how much the Suffolk County Police Department made. Like, you could get six figures in like two years. Like, all we heard about as kids was you got to take the Suffolk County Police Test. Like, when we graduated college, none of us in my family wanted mentioned wanting to be cops, but my parents were still like, should take the Suffolk County test. And it's like, Dad, I majored in radio, TV, and film. I do not want to be a cop at all. He's like, but you never know. It's a good job. It's like, I don't think I want to take a fallback job that involves a gun. Like, that's not <laughs> that's not like the level of responsibility I'm looking for on a fallback job. Like, yeah. That, yeah. It, it feels, but it. It is one of those jobs that is like uh, a class jumper for middle class, uh, especially at like, uh, you know, Italian American, Irish American uh, kids yeah. of my generation. So many people became cops and yeah. various forms. And it's like, if if we have that much esteem towards the police department on Long Island, that's going to lend itself to some other uh, like uh, beliefs that, that pair well with that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Like believe mm-hmm. police and uh, take all their word for it at every... Uh, yes. pa- every pamphlet that's put out. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Ki- yeah. Kids in Wontaw are sniffing white, uh, white out. You know, it's a pan- <laughs> it's an absolute epidemic through Wontaw High School. You're like, I don't Are you serious? I know. Ki-. Like the amount of stuff that came down like that, like where my mom be like, they're having sex parties in all these high schools. I'm like, no, no, they're not. You're hearing that on the news. Trust me. I would hear if there was a sex party, we would be talking about it relentlessly. We're high school kids. <laughs> I can't be more excited than to advertise for a product that I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because... I needed to improve my gut health and I wanted to make sure I introduced all the healthy elements of greens into my diet guaranteed. So I wanted to see what the hype is all about. And I'm a, I'm like a three weeks into using it every day and I'm a fan. It, it, it doesn't taste like it's crazy healthy. It, it's got a weird kind of tropical taste, but. I look forward to it before my coffee. I smash one down, then I pour myself a cold brew. Get those nutrients in the stomach first. Be near a toilet if you do that, okay? If you do what I do, drink down on an empty stomach, then start a cold brew. So be careful. One scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Please, you know how we talk about adaptogens on this podcast. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all the things, baby. Uh, so for me, helping out with digestion and making sure I get the, my proper nutrients in first thing in the morning is a great move. And if I don't get to it or if I know I'm going to lift later on that day and I'll usually have a post-workout protein shake, I'll blend. Uh, I'll throw a little uh, – I'll throw a scoop of athletic greens in there. It, You know, you're not – it doesn't have a chocolate or a vanilla flavor. Uh, it has like a interesting tropical flavor to it, like a little hint to it. I don't know how to describe it, but it's not bad at all. It's pretty solid, actually. Then you throw in some uh, protein powder. Take that after you work out. That's what I do, at least. Uh, you could support mental clarity and alertness. It supports better sleep quality and recovery. Uh, it's whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, Athletic Greens fits all those categories. Costs less than three bucks a day. 7,000 five-star reviews. Professional athletes use it. Um, the founder created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition on his own. It's climate-neutral certified company. Jeez, they're protecting old-growth rainforests by purchasing carbon credits. 
These people know what they're doing, the Athletic Greens people. AG1. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash mighty. Again, that's athleticgreens, A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-G-R-E-E-N-S.com slash mighty, M-I-G-H-T-Y, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? Because it's a business scam out to get you. Do not let these greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. It's an app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save about $720 a year with Truebill. Damn, because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Look, I'm hearing people saving $500 by using it with their direct TV bill, $120 on their serious bill. Uh, a listener saved a bunch on car insurance. Like I didn't even I don't even think about trying to mess with my car insurance bill. I look, I highly recommend it. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash mighty. Go right now. Truebill.com slash mighty. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash mighty. I mean, it's like so funny because because I even in Long Island, like that, the the culture you just described is not is not something I grew up with at all. Oh, actually. see, yeah, that I think um, my little town of uh, 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 Jewish kids and Italian American kids and Irish kids, uh, all I think w- that was like none of the Jewish kids were being told by their parents to become cops. None of my friends whose yeah. apartments I went to, none of their parents were like, you should become a cop. Some of them did, no. but no, no one were be- no one being led in that direction. All the Italian yeah. American kids and Irish American kids were like, you should be a cop. <laughs> like, come on. Right. That's a better right. job than your grandpa ever even imagined. It's like, nah, right. now you don't even know about podcasting yet, dad. So why don't you drop it? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even landed on my final medium yet. Uh, but do you find, uh, any parallels between uh, LI and LA? Like, I find I find myself weirdly at home, especially in our neighborhood in like the Mid City West Fairfax yeah. District area. Yeah, because yeah. Long Island to me is major thoroughfare broken up by little pockets of suburbia, and yeah. that's what it feels like when you're on Third uh, Street, Beverly, yeah. uh, Melrose, Santa Monica, Sunset. Yeah. It feels like. All, like it feels like Sunrise Highway, Hampstead Turnpike, uh, Old yeah. Country Road. Maybe, yeah. maybe not as. Uh, and then your little Oakwood, Rosewood, uh, er, uh, Clinton areas are all where your little pockets of. There's a suburban neighborhood in between yeah. uh, Santa yeah. Monica and Sunset, and it's kind of like, and that always just reminded me of at least uh, like the South Shore of Nassau County, like that whole area. And it's like strip mall yeah. developed, and then also beautiful NIMBY housing in between. Like it, it, it makes. That's yeah, I yeah. Project. I mean, I, I think, I, I think there's a lot of similarities in, in a lot of ways. I mean, I think like I was actually thinking about this in advance of our conversation um, about why I love cities, and I think Great Neck actually has like a really nice little traditional downtown, like a beautiful downtown. And both of my parents worked there, 
Um, so my mom like managed like a, like a clothing store that was started by my grandparents. My dad's an eye doctor and he worked right in town. And we used to walk there a lot, even though it was like 25 minutes, you know, to get there. And so I think at some level, you know, that was one of the things that primed me to kind of like love urbanism, love cities. Cause I did experience that even in my kind of suburban world, you know, that little village around the train station and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, but I'm also like a suburban kid that like, you know, grew up shopping on the Miracle Mile on Northern yeah. Boulevard and all of yeah. that. So like that is second nature to me too. <laughs> yeah. And I think, and I think like Los Angeles is that, right? Like it's, uh, it's like a, a pre-car city, um, that was built on streetcars and you still see the bones of that. And most of like the most exciting places in LA are where those streetcars ran right down. And on top of that was put this like car city right with the highways and the strip malls and everything like that so it's it's very much like two cities with two designs like kind of smashed into one um yeah. and i think long island has a lot of that too has a lot of uh i mean the traffic uh parallels are are wild uh very uh suv very uh f350 suv heavy uh traffic yeah. on both sides for both uh Something that's been driving me crazy, and I talked about this recently on a different podcast, is like, I really only feel safe in an SUV. Like, oh, I, I, I buy this huge truck so I could feel safe. It's like, if that's what you need to feel safe on the road, then the yeah. roads are not safe. Then we need to figure yep. something else out. And yeah. uh, it's funny. I never thought about it from the Long Island perspective, but uh, you just mentioned something to me. We would walk into town too. Belmore town was not crazy far. That's where the uh, Belmore playhouse was the movie theater, uh -huh, but uh -huh. it also was, and uh, Wanto town was sort of equidistant from where I was, where Mulcahy's was. And that's where I started going mm -hmm. once I had a good fake ID, but <laughs> I could, that walk also takes you to the Long Island railroad, which can, yeah. which opens you up to, a town like a multiple towns out east at uh, the Babylon yeah. line and then multiple towns to the west ending yeah. in New York City one of the coolest towns on the east coast and it's like <laughs> and you're like I'm 17 and I or 16 and I could technically walk to the train station and get to the city without ever needing a car never and that's freedom that's weirdly freedom yeah. and we should have that it should be the same here it should be like yeah we, and I want to get to being more about being a pedestrian because that's something that's specific to uh, your current uh, marketing. Like I love the, yeah. uh, ur the urban hikes and those walks and stuff. So let's, yeah. let, let's talk a little bit about that because I trained for a couple of half marathons uh, before the pandemic. So I was running the streets a lot because uh, mm -hmm. I don't like to drive somewhere to run uh, right. only once in a while. I would go to like the beach or to get a destination run. Normally I like to, the idea of leaving from my house, never driving of course. And just jogging my neighborhood so many days in a row, I really got the vibe that I'm like, it's dangerous because people don't walk. I think cars got too adjusted to like, mm -hmm. uh, they're not, it's sort of like when uh, uh, someone's predators, like an animal's predators dominate the area. It's mm -hmm. like, there's tons of wolves. It's like, well, now all the hares just stay in their house and mm -hmm. only get in there because the wolves are all out. And it's like, if we had way more hares out there, like if we had way more people on foot, it would like yeah. change the vibe of driving. And I think like, yeah. I think yeah. we need to start. I personally believe like start making steps in that way. I, I keep pitching people to, 
If you have an errand under a half mile, you have to, you should walk it. If you have an errand mm-hmm. under one mile, pack it with two other errands and and walk it. Like I yeah. I picked I picked up that habit in the pandemic, and I should say it's easy for me as a childless forty year old to take an hour and a half to go pick up prescriptions at CVS by walking the round trip two and a half miles or whatever. But right. I I recommend that for everybody. I rec- and yeah. you just see the neighborhood in a different way. The amount of storefronts I never even recognized despite yeah. driving down Melrose thousands of times. It's just a different way to see the city and uh, yeah. and more importantly it makes you part of the organism is that is the city. And since I moved to New York City for t- and you had that uh, in between time of Long Island and LA in New York City as well. We were like it's possible. I, you know, like you mm-hmm. could go to the beach without driving. You can like, there's so much shit you could do in, in New yeah. York city without driving that we should be, it doesn't have to be, we're more spread out than that. All we really need is like something that jumps us from one sprawl to the other. Like if, if I could get to the East side, if I get to silver, Lake easily via public transit, I'll do the other yeah. walking once I get there. Like that's fine, yeah. but it does. There's no way to like jump neighborhoods. Uh, I mean, there are yeah, ways. There so, are ways. It's just not as efficient as it could be. Sorry. Yeah, and people are going to do what's safe, what feels safe. People are going to do what feels, um, you know, efficient. I mean, what is efficient, right? I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think like, I think if there's one thing that makes cities great, it's designing around people, designing around pedestrians. And I think that, um, I love the idea of encouraging people to walk. But what I love even more is building the infrastructure that will naturally bring them out. Right. You know, cause, cause what we did was like, we, we chip, 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 chipped away um, at making our, you know, city less and less friendly for pedestrians. And it's not surprising that people stopped walking. Right? right. When they have to wait, when they have to walk three blocks to be able to cross a major boulevard, you know, or when there are so many lanes and the, you know, corners are, are allow for such fast turning that you're scared to, you know, we used to live by the intersection of Melrose and Fairfax for like 14 years. We, we moved to a, a little bit further South to Carthay square recently. And um, that intersection was like always terrifying. Yeah. And lo and behold, there was like a collision recently. A pedestrian was hurt. And um, you know, I wasn't, I was saddened, but not, not even a little bit surprised because I always felt like every time I crossed that intersection, um, that I was risking my life. Every time I drove that intersection, I felt like I was like, this is not, yeah. I'm driving incorrectly here. Like, cause you're, there's no real left. There's not left turning lane. There's left turning lanes, but there's no lights. It's yeah. and the intersection that Scott's talking about for, uh, listeners who maybe don't know the area, one corner of that is a high school. Like, yeah. like, and we're talking about like a main driving thoroughfare being right there at the corner of a high school where any kid who's high school age or lives in the neighborhood will be crossing yeah. at that street. And there's not yeah. crossing guards there. There, it, it feel it. In fact, Gabrus, I saw a, I saw a high school kid hit by a car. Jesus Christ! Like right there. I can. She, she was, she was uh, trying to cross like not at the light and like go into the planted median. And somebody came so fast. Yeah, it was really scary. It's 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 so and it's um, when you imagine that these streets that we're referring to have 
parking street parking on them in addition mm-hmm. to two lanes of driving a, a lot of the mm-hmm. they have street parking which means a car is always backing in and out of there which is stopping mm-hmm. traffic people are opening their doors which i did remove a woman's door uh by accident here she opened it as i was driving past her car she didn't see me took her door mm-hmm. clean off her uh Mercedes. Uh, the most neighborhood, the most neighborhood stuff ever is it happened in front of like this cigar shop that's on Melrose and all these old time like uh, uh, immigrant dudes. I'm not even going to do their voices or their guess their nationalities, but they all come over yeah. with cigars and they go, she's parked too far from the curb. She's at fault. There was some rampant misogyny <laughs> being thrown, some some old wow. man misogyny being thrown around, but they were like, yeah. if the police come, uh, we will tell them she is parked too far from the curb. I was like, thank you guys. Thank wow. you. But I think it's like a not fall thing. We'll take, we'll get the insurance to take care of it. But I appreciate you as character witnesses, five old stogie smoking guys ready to throw this poor woman under the bus. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know that. Pl- I know that spot. <laughs> yeah. And it it's like, we could that lane could be for we can move the sidewalk out four feet further with a divider yeah. and you can have a bike path there. We yeah. can use all these e-bikes and scooters and stuff, which are like, yeah. you know, arguably a, a hassle and a, and a danger added to the road, but truly freeing for a lot of people who don't have cars and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. if we into like. And really, you're losing like six parking spaces for every light, like six on each side. That's twelve cars. It's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. if you're if you own the weird rave clothing store that sells gas mask bongs, that's on you know that's uh, east of Fairfax on Melrose. I don't think having two parking spots in front of your store is like paramount to your business. As much as yeah. what if that was where an electric bus just went up and down Melrose from uh, San Vicente all the way to uh, Highland and you could jump off wherever. Yeah. Like uh, w- if that had a lane like that, you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily need to drive to the heart of Melrose to do shopping. You could park at a parking structure on one end of it. You can yeah. walk from your neighborhood to where the EV bus is. Like it just, yeah. Be- and the thing that, the thing is that, that like, um, when you do these things, when you reduce the number of lanes, when you add bicycle facilities, when you add the street trees, the dining, everybody just wants to be there. Like that is the most powerful thing for these businesses, which is you like, you turn it into a place, like a destination. Like if, if we had done this uplift Melrose project, like it, it, it would have been one of the most beautiful streets uh, in Los Angeles, and then everybody would 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 want to be there just to hang out. Like right. they wouldn't be coming to like for a particular. Some people would come for a particular restaurant or shop or whatever, but a lot of people would just come to be there. It would be and like, and then they spend money a, when they're there. Exactly, it'd become a weekend thing. It's like, oh, let's go to Blue Jam and then walk uplift Melrose. Like uh, mm-hmm. uh, the the High Line in New York comes into my, comes to mind. Yeah. It's not exactly the same thing, but like. The High Line seems something that's impossible to pitch to developers and stuff. And now, having been back and used the High Line, like to add that to your commute, if that's over in your area where you can get off the street and walk through a park, like that's that's an insane experience. And then you find yeah. yourself going like, well, let's walk the High Line. We'll jump off somewhere and get lunch or like we'll be able to find yeah. a bar at the end of High Line. Like I, I took I, I commuted in. Uh, when I wait in August, my wife and I went home and for the first time in the pandemic and saw all our families and then wanted mm-hmm. to spend three days in the city. And because of pandemic, I was like, we should not 
Uber or Subway anywhere. We should try to walk everywhere because it was beautiful. It was August. And we were staying up in like all the way on the west side uh, at like Hudson Yards. And we uh, we got tickets to go to like uh, a weed, something called Stoned Pizza, one of those gray market uh, weed kind of cannabis dinner places. And we were like, that was on like 4th and C. And we were like, "Okay. okay, let's do this walk. And we were yeah. like, oh, shit, we could take the High Line down. We took the High Line from like 56th uh-huh. all the way down to 14th. And got and like yeah. we, we, we went half of New York City walking through an elevated park. It, you, it feels like yeah. fucking Narnia. Like, and that's something yeah. we, we have the money New York City has. Like, we can. Yeah, we can. Um, the, the, uh, the video that I, uh, I really liked of yours was the one where you guys were sort of in that West Hollywood, Santa Monica area. Where yes. uh, uh, Santa Monica Boulevard area over yeah. by San Vicente, where PCD is, uh, PDC is, and uh, my my old pool, which I hope is coming back ASAP. Uh, but that's that portion of Santa Monica is so fucking wide; it's crazy, and it even has like the islands in the middle that yeah. could easily become like park walkways with more. Tra- yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And my friends at the LA Pod, uh, Alyssa Walker and uh, Scott Fraser and all them, they talk a lot about tree cover, and I never considered how important that was. Uh, as, in, as someone who lived in New York City, and you know, you have nine months of the year with no tree uh, cover whatsoever. But right. here we have the most fucking gorgeous flora everywhere, and it's like jam that into streets, jam that yeah. into neighborhoods. Let's get more of that. It's good for the air. It's good for the sun protection. It looks pretty. And it's healthy mm-hmm. for everybody. Like, yeah, if we know Americans have uh, some issues we, we, where we, fossil fuels is a major issue and obesity and or lack yeah. of health and exercise is a big issue. Eliminating cars and opening up walking and biking are that's two birds. One, one, yeah. one. And this it's, progressive it's kind of, progressive idea we have is like a seventies idea, like using yeah. p- people power, man. Like we can't even get that fucking going. It's kind of like amazing how many things like uh, street design hits in terms of like policy goals, right? Like as you say, climate, like huge. Uh, transportation is the highest emitting sector in California. The only you know the only way to to impact that is by getting people to transfer from driving cars, at least for some trips to other modes of transportation. How do you do that? You can do it two ways, offer people alternatives and change the price of driving, like congestion pricing, the stuff that they're doing in like London and, and, uh, and New York now. Um, so there's that, you know, there's obviously like the, the, the traffic safety stuff. We have some of the most dangerous streets in the country. You know, I have a four-year-old daughter. The most likely way that she is going to die as a child is being hit by a car. That's, that's insane. Um, that like, that, it's, it's my friend, Dominic Derkis used to have a joke in his stand up act back in the day. He's like a hundred years from now, we're going to tell people, yeah, we used to drive and like, whoa, really? Like eight like a 4,000 pound machine was just in your hands and you can go like up to 80 miles an hour in it. If, if not faster, it's like, yeah, it's like, and you were a 17 year old kid and you were like, yeah. And it's like, well, you probably had to take a long class to get the ability to take that car. It's like, no, honestly, it was like a two, three, two hour sessions. And, uh, and then when you realize the government wants us to have cars because they want us to go to work, they want us to take jobs. Mm -hmm. They want us to buy gas. Like all of a sudden it's like, 
Oh, cars are too easy to get, and you can. It's almost impossible to get your car taken away from you, no matter how bad you are of a driver yeah. or a person. Like you know, it's like, well, it's an inalienable right that they should have a car, and it's like, mm-hmm. but it's a death machine, and we're seeing everyone just getting bigger and crazier cars now too. It's uh, it's amazing. Like I, it it makes me pretty upset. Like on a regular basis, looking at the size of these cars. I mean, I remember when I was in high school. Like that's when the SUVs were picking up, right? And like yeah. in Great Neck, like all like the rich families, they had like they were getting their like Cherokees and their Grand Cherokees. Like that was the first thing. It was remember? replacing minivans in a way because it was yeah. like it fits all the kids and it's good in the snow. Is like what moms right. would tell them so my mom would tell herself at least yeah. and then for a while we thought it was gonna get you know the cars were gonna get smaller and electric and now they've just gotten just so obscenely large i mean and so tall and so and so gas guzzling and for no reason you know it's I, like I, now i now i kind of miss the old suvs yeah like, can we bring back like the normal like little cherokees that like you know, my four-year-old doesn't have to like look ten feet up to the top of the hood of the car. You know, I'm I'm huge. I'm six two, two hundred ninety pounds, and some of these cars are at my shoulder height. Like the 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 hood is yeah. at my shoulder, and I'm like, this is this is insanely dangerous. I, I started calling them protester mowers because it feels like mm-hmm. it's always going to have like some sort of flag hanging off the back and feel threatening when you uh, people are buying these trucks because like, who knows what the future holds. And it's like, that's an insane, like then let's fix the future instead. Yeah. It's like, uh, ra- let's doomsday prep earth rather than our houses and our families. Like let's yeah. like, like doomsday's coming. So I need guns and trucks. It's like, well, how about we do something that stops doomsday from arriving yeah. instead? Like, right. Collective like, good I mean, like if, if like people, if like, like when we were growing up in the eighties, like you took a time machine to now, right, and like looked at these vehicles, you think like they were military vehicles, right? Yeah. You think like, why are there so many like army trucks going down and they like all city look streets? The same now too. Back when we, the old SUVs you're talking about, be like, oh, the Cherokee is the boxy one. Oh, the Pathfinder is the cool, narrow, tall one. Now yeah. trucks, everything is built to look the same so much that like we're seeing a resurgence in like classic body bronco like the the future i'm seeing online is putting for rich people at least putting electric engines in vintage cars is going to be like i now drive a 76 bronco but it has an electric engine and everything's up to i guarantee that's what we see rich people doing going forward because you see when they re they made an electric bronco it's the however many prototypes immediately sold out. It's like, this is where the mark, that's what the market is. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to be moving to electric vehicles, but I would like for driving to not be such an important part of our lives. Like I, I yeah. would like for non-drivers. Cause another thing we're not talking about is like, if you need a car to live in LA, then you need to be able to pay for a car and pay for rent and we know yeah. rent is through the roof in Los Angeles. Yeah. That's another yeah. unwieldy. And so public transit and walking opens it up where, okay, so you can't live in West Hollywood because rents are too much, but you could live X amount of stops away and work right. in West Hollywood. Like not everyone can live in Manhattan, but you can live uh, all the way down in uh, Park Slope or whatever and jump on the R all th- and get into Manhattan. It's like we should. Or, or you're not spending all that money to. Uh, to lease and fuel up and maintain and insure your car. And so you can afford to live in right. West Hollywood, right? right? 
or or Fairfax District or anywhere because like we know actually that like transportation is the second after after housing what people spend money on in Los Angeles and I think basically in the United States is transportation. Right. So you like drastically change the uh the the you know the costs of that transportation that's like economic mobility policy also yes. right? Uh, and s- something something also that I, I've recently learned is that a lot of these uh, house, uh, apartments that are being built, w- they have a required mandate for a parking spot to be built for every apartment. Yeah. Like So yeah. if you build 100 units, it needs to have 100 parking spots as well. And that's an extra square footage. And that yeah. gets passed on to the renter or the purchaser of the apartment. That's obviously not something the landlord picks up as part or, or yeah. the government picks up. So now you have to pay for an extra, you know, 120 square feet for your apartment to have a car, yeah. whether you have one or not, that that cost yeah. is built into your apartment. And we could build an apartment without parking spots for people who like don't want a car. If you, if you live at La Brea yeah. and Santa Monica and one of those you could survive without a car. You can walk to sure. most places. I know some New York City people who move there uh, to get that, keep that feeling, and then they go yeah. crazy. It's like, yes, LA is not exactly a commuter city, uh, a walking city. You don't want to. It's not the same vibe as moving to Brooklyn Heights if you live at right. La Brea and Santa Monica. But right. th- that should be an option for people. It should be yeah. an option to be like, if we don't need parking spots, we can make that units cheaper if the units are cheaper and the people don't have cars they could maybe afford that and then we'll take the job in the in the neighborhood that you're having trouble filling because it doesn't pay enough well now this person's overhead is lower because it they're not paying for a parking spot they don't need or paying for a car they don't need like 100 yeah we're running into maybe what we're talking about here a little bit is this that it it allows for people with less money to participate in society more, which is things that people with lots of money are always trying to prevent as well. Like uh, I'm assuming the wealthy neighborhoods are not excited to hear like, Oh, we got a, we got a train station built here in in Beverly Hills. So you can get dropped off at Doheny all the way from East LA and go shopping around the neighborhood. They would fight tooth and nail to stop that too, which is upsetting. Well, yeah. I mean, we've seen that, we've seen that behavior in that politics for a long time yeah um i mean i think the truth of the matter is though that that was driven by like a fairly small number of people um and you know the problem in la was like you know paul caress was elected by like 15 percent of voters in los angeles like the last time around right right? (laughs) like so and like the people that are voting um at a higher rate are tend to be more conservative um older um, whiter, richer, um, more people and with the time to vote with like, with, with the, the time to yeah, pay attention. Yeah. yeah. They don't have exactly. to work X amount of jobs or take care of X amount of kids. And so, and so a lot, a lot of the folks that are, you know, conservative or don't want any change also have money to give to candidates. Right. So that's breaking down a little bit. I actually think that there's a lot more people that are like, that don't find a subway station threatening. That don't yeah. find a bike lane threatening. That don't find the notion of okay, a five. St- I I own a, a a house or I live in a duplex in a neighborhood. I'm not scared by the fact that uh, uh, you know there might be a five story building on my corner and I might actually be able to walk to a cafe instead of uh, drive to a cafe. That's not. I don't think that's actually threatening for the average Angelino. But unfortunately, like our politics 
has been driven by the fact that some folks find that that threatening. Yeah, I think that's that, changing now. That that's wonderful new because I'll tell you what I I live in a very developing area over here in between Fairfax and La Cienega. Tons yeah. of new units being built, but I'm I've seen a shift in even the last couple of years from building massive mega mansions that fill up all the square footage that are just for capital on paper or whatever. But I'm yeah. seeing a lot of upzoning, which is something that previously would have stressed me out as like a resident. But now what I understand the power of upzoning of turning uh, a one bedroom house area into four condo units, whether yeah. or not they are overpriced and who the fuck wants to live in a condo uh, for that much money. Four units where one unit used to be is objectively more places to live. Like, so yeah. even if they are too expensive of apartments, the people who could afford them can move into there and other apartments. Like, th just the more units we have, the better. Like, the more supply yeah. is, the less demand. So let's. It it's I'm a big cool piece of the puzzle in terms of, of, of solving our affordability crisis. And, you know, like in our area, like the Fairfax district where we both have lived, I, I'm, I'm just a little bit farther away now in Carthay Square. Like the classic like building type is that Spanish fourplex, right? You see yeah. it in, and so, and the, the McMansions that you're talking about are basically the same size, right? It's like a, but so we have to think about our, zoning rules and think, well, okay, you can build like the same size cube and it's legal to build it for one family to live you know, very ostentatiously. Yeah. Uh, but it's illegal to build for four pe four families to live, have a, you know, dignified kind of experience and be able right. to live in the neighborhood of their choice. Like, is that what we want? Like, is it, does that match our values? Yeah. I mean, I it it has to. That's the other thing that drives me crazy, too, is our neighborhood is some of the most city neighborhood of Los Angeles. Like that. And you're like people fighting tooth and nail. Like, I know all a lot of neighbors complain about cookies, uh, the dispensary yeah. that's on Melrose that has a uh, a ton of customers. They do a lot of output. They have to change kind of traffic over there to prevent. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of customers complain about that, but. That is what happens if you live near Melrose. Like mm -hmm. if you live near main drags, like that's the stuff you deal with. And like when I lived in New York city, you never were like, like, Oh, I lived less than a block away from the fucking uh, BQE. So that was a constant part of my life. That was my concrete ocean that I would hear every day. But like, you understood mm -hmm. that was part of your living. So if there was construction on your block or whatever, or that the traffic was close, you're like, yeah, I, I chose to live here. I could live in the suburbs of Long Island and Westchester yeah. and deal with way less of this. You can move. You can move an hour outside of LA and never right. have to worry about having a dispensary on your corner. But if you want to live in between, you know, like near Fairfax and Melrose, you got you're living in the city. You got to deal with. Uh, other people you got to deal with, uh, you know, it's not your backyard to say not in my backyard to like, that's mm -hmm. you're too much in the city. So I feel like yeah. these areas are at least the areas where we could also push for these sort of, uh, turning hotels into housing or uh, low income housing or building a massive building that houses a lot of people. Yeah, totally. And I think also like we need to be pushing for the, for the amenities to make that like urban life feel amazing. Right. Yes. Yes. Like, because at some level, like 
people are dealing with like the impact of urban living without like the delights of it in Los Angeles in a lot of places, right? Like they, they, they might be able to walk to a cafe, but they still can't walk to a supermarket, you know, so they have to get there in their car for that. You know, they could drive to Pan Pacific Park, but there isn't like a small neighborhood park five minutes away that you can go to every day with your toddler, you know, right. it's like a whole schlep. And so like we haven't, and like the bike infrastructure and, and, and all of that stuff, we like haven't really built that in to have that kind of like 10 minute city, you know, even in the most vibrant urban neighborhoods like Fairfax or Beverly Grove, right? Where, where, where people go for that, like that walking lifestyle, you still kind of can't get everything that you need within a 10 minute walk. Right. And so right. I think we need, I, I think we need leaders that, that, that want to build that because that's what we're seeing. Like, cities around the world kind of trying to do like build that 10 minute city. And that's what, that's what makes urban life like wonderful. Making it, or making an urban area more pedestrian, uh, pedestrian friendly, uh, just to reiterate some of this information, it is, uh, good for the population's health. It's good for, uh, the environment. Uh, these are two, two major issues. It's good for, um, Social equity, uh, it uh, evens the playing ground a little bit where you don't need a car to get to these cool spots. Like this is, that's so many big things that are major, uh, major issues in quote unquote at the federal level, at at societal level. And if if it's something that kind of nicks at that a little bit, like this is what we're talking about. This is more, Mm -hmm. this is, that's the, the quote unquote, you know, the meme, this is the future liberals want. That's the future liberals want. Yeah, they want to, yeah. they want to be able to walk uh, to a place, get something and walk home and eat it. And like, it'd be not a huge deal, not dangerous, uh, yeah. be arguably beautiful and enriching even, you know, like, and I think, I think we all want that except for like a peak few who can get like a few more dollars worth of blood from the stone of real estate like and those people happen to have a lot of power but we're uh we're aware of them now we know like we know who's behind the curtain so it feels like it feels like you like you're saying it feels different now it feels doable it feels like a lot of people are like look trump was a fucking monster but what he did do was cause a lot of us to circle the wagons and be like okay well what can we do going forward we can't we have to be protected from this like and oh on the smallest level don't let that happen in you know in our neighborhood like well well, let's get cracking there and that feels it feels so fucking good at least to know we can elicit you know we can move the wheel of uh pain just a little bit more for, for the sake of crom yeah and i think it's i think it's not a small thing you know i mean if we can transform the city into a more pedestrian bike friendly transit friendly place we're the biggest city in california which is what the fifth largest economy in the The world world. (laughs) (laughs) you know we know and, and and that's and a lot of those 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 carbon emissions are happening right here in our cities and we can be like we can either continue down the road we're, we're on or we can be like a beacon for places. We can like build a world-class city and then be a leader and other cities will want to be just like Los Angeles. Yes. Like, that's, that's what I want to be. I want to be like an example for the world. That's I love that. I love that idea. That's exactly where my brain is at when I'm saying like we get accused of being so many things in LA and we don't get, 
for us that believe that you know hipster liberal bubble blah 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 wealthy whatever you want hollywood whatever fucking uh negative terms you want to throw at this bubble but if we're going to be accused of being in a bubble let's make it a fucking amazing bubble that people want to get inside of like that's like how hard is that like like you're saying, we're going to get the sticks and stones of being, oh, did you hear LA's banning, you know, 11 axle station wagons for families or whatever? It's like, <laughs> yes, that's good. Trust us. Eventually, like, and then if we're, like you say, if we're the model for other progressive cities, as these other cities start getting more and more progressive, it's like they could look to see what LA did that really yeah. advanced uh, progressive beliefs and, and made, th- made it's crazy that advancing progressive beliefs does mean making life better for individuals like that's uh, you know that's what for a larger group of individuals we should say that's progressive beliefs and that's all we're asking for is to let's make it better for us in here so when when is uh let's talk a little bit about cd5 and your election so so we can get any actionable voters to make their move here absolutely talk talk to me a little Um, bit about this upcoming election so so okay so let's just describe the the districts uh the district quickly uh I guess so people know let's listeners know whether they're in it. Yeah. Um <laughs> districts are huge in Los Angeles. We just we just changed the lines. We just drew new, new districts. Uh CD5 basically includes like a large swath of central and west LA from the edge of Koreatown all the way to the 405. So we're talking about places like Hancock Park, Fairfax District, Beverly Grove, the Carthane neighborhoods, Pico Robertson, Palms, uh, Rancho Park, Westwood, uh, Bel Air, big, big area. Uh, Touching a lot of different neighborhoods with a lot of different economic Statuses. Totally. Yeah. Totally. You have like, uh, you know, like you have neighborhoods like Palms, which is one of the most diverse neighborhoods in in the city. Um, where you see people of all colors and then you have like, you know, places like Pico Robertson, which, you know, is like the, the, the center of Jewish life in Los Angeles. You have more single family areas like Bel Air or Rancho Park. You have UCLA, which right. is incredibly young. diverse, young. We, we, we are, we have a lot of, that's a big focus of our campaign is engaging the student camp, uh, community. We're really excited about that. Um, so it's a really vibrant, exciting central part of Los Angeles. Election will be June 7th. Um, that's the primary election. Like pretty much all elections in California, it's a jungle primary. Um, it's nonpartisan. Um, so there are six candidates. Uh, if it's highly unlikely anybody will get 50%, which means the top two will go to the runoff in November. So the game right now is to get this campaign into the top two. Um, and, uh, yeah, would love it. So the, the website is scottforla.com. As Gaber says, we're doing a lot of community engagement with these, uh, urban hikes. We call them. We've done six and all, all across the district. We're going to do at least two more. We're doing meet and greets. We're doing policy forms, all kinds of stuff to make sure that people can be involved. Um, our competitors, frankly, are mostly doing backyard fundraisers and not yeah. much else and yeah. showing up to candidate forums. Um, so we have a different style with our campaign. So there are six people uh, vying for uh, the runoff in CD five. So uh, yeah, and you have to come in second or above to be in, involved in that runoff. Is what we're hoping. All right. So what, what we right. can, 
Uh, Shitheads, listeners in High and Mighty, if you live in CD5, you know what you can do. If you don't live in CD5, you know what you can do, too. You cannot activate this energy in your area. And if you don't live in Los Angeles, you can activate this energy in your area. You can support these these politicians, even if you don't live in the area. And most importantly, you can... Uh, be inspired by uh, Scott's ideas and bring them to your area. Like, like that's that's our only hope going forward right now. Is like because quote unquote our guy is in the office, and a lot of the stuff I a lot of the ex- most exciting stuff I heard was going to happen for us is is mm-hmm. not really happening. Uh, you know, like it just seems like a lot of us still have student loans and are losing yeah. uh, payments and stuff like that. So even when we're quote unquote winning or we we're holding the conch, we still can't make it <laughs> fucking happen for us. So shrink it down. Forget the entire island. Just deal with the flies that you're lording over in your small little area. This analogy is off the rails, but <laughs> you understand what I'm saying. Guys, go to it's scott4la.com. That's right. Uh, uh, Check out his uh, policy. Uh, Join one of these urban hikes. Vote for him if you live in his district. Inspire friends of yours that do live in his district to vote for him. Let's make every city a walkable city. I want people wherever they live to be able to walk to get caught. And and look, if I could be... If I could be gross for a second, one fun thing about a walking city is... I take it from someone who lived in Manhattan for 10 years, lived in Brooklyn for 10 years... You can be fucked up all the time. You can like, you can smoke weed every single day because you don't have to drive. You know what I mean? If we like, for me, uh, cannabis helps with anxiety. Uh, this is not a Scott uh, for LA policy specific policy. But if it's a city's more walkable or more public transit available or more bikeable, a couple of hits of weed does not make you a potential murderer behind the wheel of a car. You can have a couple of hits and take the shuttle. And wouldn't that be nice? Like <laughs> that, Now yeah. everyone sees the, the very specific spoiled rotten issues I'm fighting for. Here. <laughs> I just want to be able to smoke weed and not worry about driving. Okay, fine. <laughs> I want to be able to leave the bar at 2 a.m. safely. That's all. Without And without engaging with Uber. And I think, sorry, r- ride shares were... Uh, I think in the way a little bit of this uh, walkable pedestrian friendly city because they did really make things more uh, very easy for a while for a certain, uh, but now their price point went back to where it like always should have been. And people are like, Oh, maybe Uber and Lyft is not the way to scoot around the city either. Cause you're now it's someone explained to me how many, Ubers are empty driving around just waiting to pick up someone and you're like that's just so much more traffic on the road that doesn't help anything it's true it it has not been a good thing for for vehicle trips uh and carbon emissions it's been it's been and and as you say the the price was artificially uh tamped down which was also a big problem but i think the power is on our hands we can build the city that we want and then people won't want to uber around all the time they'll want to get on their bike they want to get on their on their feet, they'll want to get on that tram or that bus, or as long as it's efficient, has its own right of way. Hell yeah. Public transit to and from the airport. Imagine that. Imagine being able to 
uh, not deal with driving to and from lax. Imagine uh, someone visiting this con- uh, visiting this city, not needing to get behind the wheel of a car, having not really driven or soak up Ubers as they visit. Like they can take transit from LAX to their hotel. Like these are possibilities. Yeah. Like yeah, and any other like if you were playing fucking Sim LA or you know you would be like we should have public transit from the airport. We could get the four hundred five would be cleared right. up. And it's like yeah, of course it's a video game that makes total sense. It's like well we could do that here too <laughs> right 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 we need the political will we need the yeah. I, I think that's what's missing is is the leaders there's a new generation of leaders ha- coming to the fore now you're seeing it in like places like culver city where they're doing like really amazing things really fast on transit they just like built this bus lane and bike lane for like three million dollars all through their downtown go check it out gabrus i'm going um, to <laughs> That's yeah awesome. it's uh, all of those guys all three of the the progressives that run that council now are, are behind my run um you know so we want to like bring that energy to los angeles because you, you we actually it's not the problem around resources you know we no. have money it's like we got to start spending it a lot smarter, you know, let's no more highway, no more building, widening highways. That's crazy. No. We take some of that money away and like build some bike lanes. People are going to, uh, you know, people are going to love this city. It's going to change. Yeah. Like it, people already love this city so much. We can only yeah. make it even better to live here. So Scott, yeah. thank you so much for coming on high and mighty. Uh, you heard it. Vote, vote for him in the primary. Vote for him in uh, the runoff when he's inevitably there. Um, I'm at Gabrus on all social media. Uh, follow Scott's socials, which will be tagged in the post about this. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, do your best to make your area more walkable. It's great for stoners, drunks, the future, <laughs> the environment, economic equality, uh, your own health, children. Like it's it hits every pocket. If we could get children, stoners, and uh, shoppers <laughs> all united by one to get the city more walkable, it'll be unstoppable. Okay. <laughs> Love Bye, it. shitheads. That was a HeadGum Podcast. In a part of the world where there are no rules. Holy shit. Holy shit, guys. I'm so pumped. I definitely have not watched this since I rented it on VHS in 92. Strangers united by the threat of death. We got all the fucking major players. Seagal. Vladimir Putin is a good man. Arnold. Here, come. Give it to me. I need you to cream pie me now. Stallone. People are loving this movie. It's it's got a lot of heart. You're mentally irregular. (laughs) Now, somewhere... Somehow, someone's gonna pay. I would fucking love for my wife to like see me rip a guy's throat out. But they didn't count on one thing. This movie's fucking insane. (laughs) It's how you know it's a good movie. You have to do almost all the work yourself to figure it out. Well, there's a fantasy component. There's some sword fighting. There's some lightning. Bam, 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 bam. You wake up after a few years, and then you don't even know who you are anymore. We're going to be making Terminators. <laughs> We're going to make a really great deal with the Xenomorphs. What? I don't hate them, but I pity the room <laughs> Yes, I understand. This is now the 20th ending of the movie. I am dark. I'm your dad. <laughs> Action, boys. Boys will be boys. Subscribe here for bonus content and more free stuff from behind the paywall.
To get new episodes, become a patron at actionboys.biz. Do it. Do it. Come on. Do it now. <laughs>